and welcome to the inaugural episode of Brands Unbridled, a podcast brought to you by StoryHorse. I am Liza Nikitas, Director of Production and Partnerships for StoryHorse, which is a Chicago-based branding house with a strategic know-how and creative muscle to build brands that not only make an impact, they last. You can learn more about us at storyhorsebranding.com. So why a podcast? We are committed on all levels to creative curiosity, and Brands Unbridled is our platform to ask big questions, hear from big brands, and really get a pulse on what's now and what's next in the industry. So we're going to be setting aside some time every month to sit down with friends and leaders from various industries and brands that we admire. We're going to be covering a wide range of topics that approach the world of branding from all different angles. And each conversation will be moderated by a different member of the Story Horse team. So with that, let's dive into our very first episode with Kirby Nardo, Director of Brand PR for Molson Coors. We are going to be covering lots of fun topics today, such as how Molson Coors responded to the COVID-19 pandemic, their path to becoming more than just a beer company, and their latest play in the spiked seltzer wars. So welcome, Kirby. Uh, Thank you. A little bit about you, if I may. Um, Kirby's been with Molson Coors for close to six years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she has touched brands ranging from Keystone Light to Peroni to Pilsner Urkel to Miller Lite uh, and probably, probably many, many more. Um, if you know what a lunar landing keg is or if you know how to evaluate beers by smell, color, and taste via Miller Lite's Know Your Beer initiative, then you've you've seen her work. And... Uh, shameless plug because she won't mention it, but she, this year, had the distinct honor of being named to PR Week's 40 Under 40. That's true, and you, I would guys, not have mentioned you it. You guys should see the look she's giving me right now. It's so good. <laughs> Kirby, what did I miss? What else What else about you that, uh, that, our, that our listeners need to know? Um, <clears throat> I guess I'll start, well, Brand PR is the title, um, but most people, I guess if you work in CPG, might know it as Marketing Communications. So um, my team at Molson, uh, we partner with our marketers to make sure, uh, well, to really help push fun programming, to get brands out into the world, to build awareness for brands, to launch brands, um, whether that's public relations or kind of helping out with any of their communications needs. Um, That's kind of what we do in-house. We partner with some great PR agencies externally, um, but you know, from innovations, Liza and I are enjoying two of our new innovations this year, which you can't come empty-handed to a podcast when you work at Molson. She's um, the best. Really coming in strong out of the gate <laughs> as our, our first guest, setting the bar high. So, yeah, we do. We help with a lot. So if you're reading news about one of our brands, we probably had a hand in it. Awesome. Okay, so before we dive in, given the topic of our conversation today, I must ask you, what is your most hated COVID-19 buzzword? Unprecedented. Great, great one. Um, I do have a COVID-19 buzzword jar here, so um, you'll be owing me a quarter for every uh, mention of the word unprecedented. Okay, I'll be mindful. Okay, so newsflash, COVID has rocked uh, the world of literally (laughs) every company on this planet in some way or another. Um, One can make the case, however, that the beer industry has gotten off a little bit easy, relatively speaking, Um, but... That being said, it's been a little bit one sip forward, two sips back, um, to, to paraphrase Cute. Paula Abdul. I like it. Uh, in the sense that as off-premise sales have seen a huge spike, on-premise and wholesale business haven't fared as well, given the closure of bars and restaurants, which accounted for about 
23% of Molson Coors uh, 2019 sales. So with the sudden drastic shift in how and where people are consuming their beer, primarily at home, uh, I imagine your brand messages then had to shift pretty significantly and pretty quickly. Uh, so what did you do right away? Wow. Well, um, a lot. There was a lot to do. Um, you know, we have a lot of brands at Molson. Uh, there was a lot of messaging that was in market. So I think first you audit, right? Like, sure. let's make sure everything is feeling right. right. And then it's swiftly move into action. So, um, you know, we were very fortunate. We are very fortunate that a lot of consumers are turning to big, trusted, known brands. So having a Miller Lite and a Coors Light in-house uh, really helped us, right? So having the bars closed, restaurants closed was terrible. I mean, mm -hmm. it's terrible for the restaurant industry. It still is terrible. Um, but the fact that we are seeing a lot of those big trusted brands kind of thrive in the pantry loading really helped. So um, whether it's shifting some of your media dollars behind those bigger brands that people are flocking to, mm -hmm. um, you know, just a lot of tiny, tiny edits. So there was a lot of changes at the beginning. Um, we also were in the midst of launching a lot of innovation. So Blue Moon Light Sky, we had Busy, we had Core Seltzer on deck. Um, did that still make sense? Do people really, you know, do people have an appetite or an interest in innovation at that time? Are they looking for more from some of our big names? Um, there was a lot of, um, a lot of conversations, a lot of discussion about how to move forward. Um, I do think, you know, we had to kind of prioritize to make sure the spend was in the right place. So our media team, I mean, God bless them. There was a lot of work there. Yeah. I mean, I think they had to plan and replan about a million times this year. Uh, from the messaging standpoint, you know, there's there was programs that just didn't make sense. And I'm sure, you know, pretty much every company had that moment where you look in the mirror and are like, I just don't think this feels right today. Yeah. And that was part of my team's job is to, to really take that temperature. What's the media saying? Does this feel right? Does this, you know, we had plenty of stuff that was um, programming centered around sports. Well, there went that. That probably didn't make <laughs> as much sense to put out. Yeah. Um, you know, sports was one thing, but there's there's just a there was a lot of little intricacies. You know, we I'll use Miller Lite as an example. You know, Miller Time was a is a slogan that's been around forever. It's a 45 year old brand. A lot of people know it's Miller Time, but a lot of Miller Time happens on premise. It happens with bars and restaurants. Interesting. So very quickly, it's it can be a little polarizing to hear that when you can't go out and enjoy a beer with your buddies. Sure. And so what does its Miller time mean in the pandemic? You know, the brand team really had to get their heads together and say, what's that evolution look like? And especially at a time when people want Miller time. Exactly. <laughs> it's, not, it's not for lack of not wanting to right. go drink beers with your friends. Right. Um, so in Miller Lite's instance, they really snapped into gear. Um you know, Miller time really isn't possible at a bar or a restaurant if you don't have waitstaff and bartenders in the restaurant industry. So the second that those people are out of a job, the brand's like, we have to do something. So they launched a program called Miller Lite's Virtual Tip Jar, which donated to a bartender assistance program, the U.S. bartenders. Let me wait. I need to definitely make sure I'm getting this one right because it's a phenomenal organization. Um but the, uh, this bartender's fund was wonderful, and you can apply online and get grants and um, for relief. And so Miller Lite started out the tip jar with a million dollars. And so we filmed, it was the night before Chicago closed down, you know, our wonderful agency partners, I think it was a, a one or two man crew, filmed in a bar um, the night before. We put out a commercial advertising this, this virtual tip jar, and it was, it was really wonderful and a huge sprint by the team to get it out. Um, you know, Coors Light had to pivot too because Coors Light has been known for the official beer of chill. 
And so pretty, it's, you know, a little a little different than the position Miller Lite was in because everyone does want some chill. The mm-hmm. pandemic was not very chill-inducing. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, Miller Lite's, or Coors Light's messaging was feeling really appropriate. But how do we do it in a way that people are ready to hear about that? Sure. And so um, the Coors Light team launched America Could Use a Beer. Um, and the idea actually started from uh, one of the best PR gifts from the gods, um, 93-year-old Olive, who was a Pennsylvania native, put out a sign. I think it was her I granddaughter on social media that yeah. put up a sign that said, help, I'm out, of, I'm out of beer. I need a Coors Light. Like in her in the window of her home? Yes. Yeah. It went viral. I mean, so these good. are like gifts from the gods when this <laughs> happens. Um, and so it was It was one step just to give, let's get Olive some beer. Easy. Sure. You know, our team on the ground was wonderful at doing that. But then how do we make that bigger? Because you know what? A lot of people can use a beer right now. A, a lot, lot of, of people us are need olive. some chill. <laughs> uh, so the team, again, sprinted to get America Could Use a Beer out. And they had Paul Giamatti do the voice out over. And it was, a, it was a really fun campaign. But the beauty of it is you could go on social media and nominate someone that you think needed a beer. Sure. And needed a moment of chill. And so we saw people nominating, you know, first responders by the dozens. It was, it was a really wonderful campaign. So, you know, I think there's... There were, yes, we had to pivot a lot, but there were still parts of both of, you know, especially with our big brands that still made sense in the pandemic. Sure, it's it was just, just how do you, threading that needle. Yeah, exactly. Gosh, that's the virtual tip jars. That's really interesting and really, I'm sure, took uh, a huge a huge lift right up front. And it sounds like you guys pulled that off super, super quickly. So it's impressive. Thanks. Um, so what, you did all that, all that right away. Um, how did it impact sort of your your longer term plans? And I guess still impacting because no one really knows where the where the end of this is. Sure. I'm you know, there's been a lot of uh, changes to, of course, you know how how you produce things. You know, there's uh, there's things that I think will change in in perpetuity on the production side, of course, in the pandemic. Um so, we had a, a campaign for Miller High Life that um, was com- filmed completely in quarantine, you know, by one of our, um, uh, a phenomenal director just at his home, I believe with his son, you know, so there's some production that we were able to put out in quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, some, as we kind of start to open back up a little bit on the production side from safe production, I think that's that's kind of where we're looking. Um, but if you look at some of the innovations, you know, we still put out all the innovations we plan to this year. Um, they've been met with great reception. I think a lot of people uh, are looking for new varieties, too, when you go to the off-premise um, to try new big brands. So a lot of, while well, a lot has changed, we're still, I mean, we're putting out so many new campaigns yeah. and so many new products. Our innovation pipeline for 2021 is, is you know, just as big as ever. So um, it is not boring to be in the beer world today. (laughs) That I'm certain is true. Um, As much as you can share with me about this, I would love to understand what, how COVID impacted planned campaigns that, that maybe never saw the light of day um, because of COVID that, you know, you spoke earlier about how um, sort of evaluating the message, does it feel right? Does it feel appropriate? Does it feel sensitive? Um, Did you guys find any that just didn't and had to had to go away. Yes, you know I think sports obviously so sports programming. Um, you know there was always always intention to kind of support our our alliances and and that changed when the seasons changed. Yeah. Um, you know we do 
had explored some storylines about, you know, people being in an office. Well, when remote life becomes your reality, it mm-hmm. probably doesn't resonate as much. Um, you know, we have a lot of our campaigns deal with on-premise. So there's oftentimes you'll see beer commercials where people are gathering together in a bar. Is that Was that the reality in June? No. Um, you know, so I think the location was a huge, huge factor yeah, in what we put out. Um, I mean, sampling has changed, mm-hmm. I think, probably in perpetuity, right? So, so much of, of launching innovations is driving trial and getting people to come out and try your, your drink. Well, you know, if we don't have events and, you know, it's not safe to put people out handing, handing products out at certain, certain locations, that's tricky. Yeah. So you have to get creative and think of different ways to sample and get, you know, get product out there. I mean, I couldn't give enough credit to our sales team for being scrappy and trying to, to figure out, you know, how to make all these shifts and get, get product out in front of consumers to try. So, you know, we, media, everything with creative has to have, you know, look, you had to really look under a microscope to see where that was going to go. Sampling changes, um, you know, and then there's some of kind of our, our recently launched campaigns that you kind of have to decide where are we going to go. And the one that comes to mind is um, last fall we launched for Miller Lite. It was a campaign around Miller Time, which was the original social media. Mm-hmm. But the original social yeah, media from, right, it was a beautiful campaign. Yeah. Well, social media has changed mm-hmm. now, right? A lot of that, the beauty of that campaign is it's it's the real Miller time is when you put your phone down and you're having a beer with, with your, your friends. Buds, yeah. Well, now in the pandemic, I can't go to the bar with my buds. Yeah. Um, actually, social media has become a little bit of a lifeline in connecting with my friends and family. You know, does that, what's that lifespan? You know, and I think that's one of those beautiful campaigns that it doesn't, you know, it, it didn't make sense anymore. Yeah. And so Miller time has kind of evolved to, um, Zoom to virtual happy hours. I mean, I think the rise of all of that, we we did a campaign with Coors Light, um, which I'm not sure if you saw, but it was this, you could win a trip to your Zoom background. And, oh, you know, cute. that w- wasn't in the plan for right. 20, right? <laughs> I'm sure, sure. <laughs> but, you know, you take some of these, these insights and the consumer insights have just, it's fascinating to see what, you know, what people care about and where people need a break and what people want to listen to. And, you know, the Zoom fatigue is real. It's oh, my goodness. Super real. Super so real. that's, you know, the fact that, you know, we could, that Coors Light can be that brand that will give you a little chill, a moment away from from the Zoom calls and take you to the background you've been looking at for six months was, was a really fun program. That's really cute. Um, so like everyone, I'm sure you you were trying to sort of crack the nut of establishing the right balance of messaging. Um, how do we sound sincere? How do we sound authentic? Um, how do we not sound opportunistic um, during this horrible trying time for, for everyone? So how do you make sure that that these campaigns stand out against the absolute endless barrage of we're with you, we're behind you, <laughs> we've got your back messaging that I that I know I know you know as well as I do? Um, and how do you kind of stay true to your own brand values and make sure that whatever messages you are putting out there are always sort of tying back to your core brand narrative and who, who you guys are and who you will, you know, cause you, you obviously don't want that to, to change. That's mm-hmm. your history. So how do you, how do you do that? Well, I think a lot of it is, is 
making sure you are perfectly clear on what your role is for consumers, right? Like we're a beer brand. So what really are people expecting when you get on your feeds? What are you expecting from us? Yep. You know, we're, we're a, a big beer brand. We've been around for a while. You've likely heard of us. What are you <laughs> expecting us to play? Um, what role that day are you expecting? Is it, you know, probably not incredibly serious, you know, but also I'm not, there were plenty of days over 2020 where people didn't need a, a, a laugh, Right, like right. It was and you don't want to seem flippant and yeah. completely. So I think it's understanding where your product role plays in your consumers' lives is huge. Yeah. And then as far as um, the messaging, how do you still stay true to what you know and love about your brand? So you know all of the programs I talked about with Coors Light, like America could use a beer. It's all because you know Coors Light is the official beer of chill. It is. It's known for being cold lagered, cold filtered. If we didn't. If the message, the red thread between all these programs wasn't providing chill, it wouldn't make sense for us, yeah. right? Like bringing chill in the way that a beer can has to be kind of the the um, kind of the, the base that you work off of. And for Miller Lite, you know, obviously Miller Time has been near and dear to the brand's heart for so long. Um, Miller Time with on premise, it just made sense to try and provide relief for bartenders and. And wait staff. So I think it's as long as you kind of stay true to your brand narrative, I think the consumers are going to follow and get that. And I also think it it helps propel your brand purpose further. Um, you know, it, it you just have to really understand. Uh, you know, is this going to feel bizarre if I chime in and this yeah. message at this time? You know, I'm there's sure kind of a spidey sense thing that happens that <laughs> you kind of just know completely. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, I think um, your how you started that answer with, you know, you have to really understand what your consumers are expecting, I think is really interesting because a lot of brands sort of just immediately, your your sort of an immediate gut reaction is we have to say something, we have to seem sensitive, mm-hmm. we have to get it out there. And I think um, as long as you're leading with, you know, the consumer in mind and, and what are they thinking that they're going to hear from us and what feels right for for who we are to people, because I mean, really, your brand is is what it's perceived to be in the eyes of your customers versus like what not. It's not always what you think it is. Yeah, I think I think responsibility is tricky. You yeah. know, do you feel responsibility to con- your consumers to say something? You know, we we talk a lot. I think consumers are used to hearing from Big Beer. Mm-hmm. You know, they're used to hearing from Molson Coors brands, and so you know, just going quiet because you don't know what to say. You know, isn't. Um, wasn't an option for us. Uh, but how do you do it in a way that's true to your brand? I think the consumers will get it. I yeah. think they'll, it'll resonate. I think it'll look, you know, um, it'll work. Let's shift gears a little bit, and we're going to kick it way on back to the year 2018. <laughs> and that was the year that you dropped Brewing Co. from your name in favor of the more broad-reaching beverage company. And obviously this, you know, serves as a signal to the market that you offer more than beer. You've got hard seltzers, uh, one of which I'm enjoying right now. Thank you very much. Kombucha, hop sparkling water, and even now, um, I was reading actually, I didn't know this, CBD-infused beverages in Colorado. Yes, in Colorado. Um, through the joint venture with Hexo, Trust CBD. So can you talk a little bit more about that decision, um, really from the perspective of kind of how much of that is responsibility driven and maybe gearing a little bit away from, you know, you don't only have to drink alcohol, um, versus how much of it was driven by just, you know, meeting your consumers where they were and their sort of evolving needs. 
Sure. <clears throat> well, ahead of the uh, revitalization, kind of when we changed the name, there was we had already kind of started to branch out outside of beer. So canned wine, hard coffee. Uh, you know, we had already kind of started to dabble in these non-beer um, offerings. I love a canned wine. It's just delightful, <laughs> Movo. Um, it's delightful. And so I think it was, we were already trying to, to look. And the innovations department was already, you know, hard at work trying to see how we could expand. And, of course, that is, to your point, to meet consumer demands. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just seeing that, um, you know, the liquid industry is just fascinating. And I don't think any of us, you know, five years ago, if I was like the hottest thing ever is going to be hard seltzer and seltzer and, you know, the Topos and the LaCroix and everything. I mean, the the way that kind of liquid innovation has gone is just fascinating. Mm-hmm. And so there's part of it just to, to keep up with consumer demand. Um, but it actually seems pretty simple when you think about, you know, we went through this kind of restructuring of the company and the new name just really allows us the flexibility to, to go there, you know, to go to different places and bring new offerings to consumers that, you know, we know we can do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's absolutely insane how such a seemingly small change like that can, can really kind of completely set the tone for what you do, not only with your consumers, but also internally, you know, with your own employees. Um, have you guys seen the name change to be a useful kind of communication tool um, in empowering innovation internally? Um, and, and you know, how, how has that impacted, you know, you as, as an employee of the company? I think it's, it's been received really well. Um, you know, the, the group that is putting out a lot of these new non-beer innovations is uh, helmed by Pete Marino, who is a genius in his own right. And so it's been, it's just been fantastic to see what they've been able to concoct and bring out. And whether it's through partnerships or through our own innovations department, it's really exciting time to work in beer and beer adjacencies. And beverages. <laughs> and beverages. <laughs> At a beverage um, co. Yeah, I think it's, you know, <laughs> our employees and, and myself included, we love to see what else is going to come down in the pipeline. And just the flavors and the innovations, it's exciting. You know, as much as you love some of the big brands that we work on that we've had forever, it's really fun to open the portfolio up a little bit more and try new things and just kind of see what else is out there. And we've made some great partnerships in the world. And um, it's been, it's really exciting just to see where this can continue to go. And every time we do an employee meeting or something, you know, there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the works. And so whenever (laughs) we get to, from being on the communication side, we get a little bit of a heads Mm -hmm. up Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it's, it's just great. It's great to be able to go there. I can't wait to see, you know, to unveil what's next. And, uh, there's all sorts of, of fun stuff in store. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm sure you get pumped for information from all your colleagues just in the position that you're in. I'm sure you have, you got a good poker face though. So that's good. Well, yes, it's the job is to keep (laughs) some of these things close to the vest. But I will say after going to school, spending four years in Texas, knowing that um, we were going to work with Topo Chico. Horn frogs, bullfrogs? Horn frogs. Horn frogs. Horn frogs. Um, Some type of frog. But the second I was brought under the tent on the Topo Chico deal, that was a tough one. Yeah, That was a really tough one to keep close. I bet, I bet. Um, so have you, I guess, how have you seen a change in consumer perceptions of Molson Coors since, since the, uh, beverage company shift? Sure. I think, I hope favorably. I mean, things are going well. I think people are, um, 
loving the new innovations, everything we've put out this year, especially when it comes to Vizzy and Core Seltzer and, you know, Bloom and Light Sky from our innovations department, they're doing, they're doing really well. And people love the flavor. Um, they love the propositions. They're everybody, you know, especially from our seltzer portfolio, we're bringing stuff that is unique to, it's a crowded space, but we have a unique point of differentiation with every single one of the products and all the partnerships and new non-alk that we've launched, the kombucha, um, huzzah uh, in California. There's just a lot of, it's just, it's really exciting. And I think some of those, you know, if they're small enough, you might not know it came from Molson Coors, but if you do, it's really exciting because we've got, we've kind of got this collection of new interesting offerings that there's kind of something for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, so if, if you took a business class in college, I'm sure you are quite familiar with the Cola Wars uh, that dominated yes. the, the late 70s and early 80s. Um, but in 2020, it's, of course, been all about COVID, but it's also been all about the hard seltzer wars. Mm-hmm. And Molson Coors is, of course, a key player with your recently debuted Coors Seltzer, um, which launched this July um, in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> um but refreshingly, Ooh. Bum, bum, uh, <laughs> its messaging lacks the uh, aforementioned COVID-19 focus that you see literally everywhere. And instead, you guys have chosen to focus on your partnership with Change the Course, um, which helps restore America's river system. So how and why do you think that focusing on environmental responsibility um, is going to work for course or is working for course? Well, we've Coors Seltzer was in the plan pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. so this was uh, always our our. We were super excited about this product from day one. Um, you know, obviously, a lot of the big brands have uh, brought seltzers to the table. So Bud Light Seltzer, Corona Seltzer, they're all doing very well. Um, so we knew we couldn't come with another Me Too. So the plan was always to come with a point of differentiation, and you know, after a lot of great. Ideas really. This idea came to uh, came to the forefront about bringing something with a mission. Um, you know, you test these ideas, and this one was really resonating. And I think it's you know the Coors family, the um, Molson Coors, Miller Coors before that, all have had a really long history with water conservation. Yeah. So we're not recreating the wheel. This is something that's been important to the to the company for a long time. I mean, most of beer is water, sure. so it's very <laughs> responsible um, in order to. Uh, respect the rivers and rebuild the rivers. So it was. It felt really natural. Um, Change the course was a wonderful partnership. Uh, so it really kind of came together in a great package. And frankly, um, it didn't seem. It was kind of a timeless idea, yeah. right? We want to bring something that has a point of differentiation. But the rivers, you know, this isn't pandemic specific. There's nothing new about that. Right. Um, so we, you know, kept the course uh, and the. It's been doing really well. I mean, the I think the idea that the packs, for one pack, it restores 500 gallons of river water. People are really, that's really resonating. Um, we had a uh, had some fun with the launch uh, to launch the world's easiest volunteer, volunteer program. program. I love it. <laughs> and uh, I love the commercials. They're very fun. Yeah. And so it was nice. I think it was the right tone. It was a little levity, right? We didn't need to be too worthy. Sure. Um, but it's, you know, there's so many seltzers out there. How do you differentiate yourself? You know, we know we have a great tasting seltzer, but that's kind of table stakes if you're going to launch at this point. So how do you do something that's a little different and that still stayed true to kind of the course family and the course history and, you know, hence the seltzer with a mission? Yeah. I mean, it just seems super natural. Not 
not supernatural like <laughs> aliens. Um, I meant very natural oh, um, for, for the course brand. So um, I think that's that's an example of, of you know, a brand portfolio expansion that works. Um, but they don't always work. Um, so in the late 80s, I had not heard of this prior to researching mm. for this uh, conversation, but McDonald's launched McPizza. I have heard about this. You have? Yes. Wow. Well, I had not, but it's actually still available. Where? Only in Orlando, Florida. <gasps> Disney. <laughs> We're going to take a field trip. <laughs> um, it was discontinued everywhere else like 20 years ago, I want to say. Um, and ultimately, there have been, I guess, quite a few um, sort of white papers and studies on this. And ultimately, it failed because um, consumers thought that it, it was too similar to established competitors. There's Domino's. There's Pizza Hut. How is your value proposition any different? Um, did you guys ever have concerns throughout all of this evolution that that your consumers would be kind of confused um, by by these new offerings? Uh, you know, yes and no. I think I, whenever you're innovating off a core brand, it's something you need to consider. You know, I mean, there's so many diehard Coruscant fans out there for good reason. And so the last thing you want to do is abandon someone who has grown to know and love your brand for so long. Yeah. So it's not done lightly. That's that's for sure. But I do think there the seltzer phenomenon in last year's summer of seltzer, I mean, it was just, it's it's hard to deny that people, you know, now I think are really understanding the category and how different it is from beer. Um, so it was a risk worth taking. And so I think the, the uh, really, I think why it's working, why it can work is when they each have different propositions and you just make it really clear to the consumers that they're different. So obviously it still has the same course script that you know and love. Sure. So you would hope if you're a course light drinker, you're like, oh, I'll try that too. It feels safe. It feels safe, but it has the familiar slim can, everything that you kind of know and expect. And then it has that flavor profile of a seltzer that mm-hmm. you want. So, um, you know, you we talk a lot about halo effects when you start to innovate off of a core brand. And you do see that with cores. So it's we've been really fortunate there. But yes, we are very mindful about not over-innovating off of core brands because that can, as with Mick Pizza, Pizza, um, can sometimes lead to some sloppy (laughs) ads. Mick Pizza, that's gross. Um, Okay, so what's what's something that, um, sort of dovetailing off of that, what is something that Molson Coors has done um, sort of this year, I, I say, to put a time period on it, to kind of reinforce your brand messaging and and kind of remind consumers about your brand promise? Well, so Molson or brands, that's tricky. So a lot of the brands are are moving so quickly, right, to get out there and and get their their voices heard. And, um, you know, this this year is quite baffling when you think about all of the landmines that um, anyone in communications or marketing has had to go through. It's just crazy. Yeah. And um, especially in an election month I was going to say, we threw an election year on top of it all. So. It's, it's, it's really shocking. So I think, um, you know, I think one thing that all of our brands has, have done really well is just really kind of whittled down to like what your real message is, what your reason for being you know, what role do we play in those consumers' lives? And then how can we stay there and stay true to that and make sure that our consumers who are looking for us, we're there, um, you know, they're excited to have us, they want to come back. If it's an innovation brand, how can we stand out from the crowd? Um, you know, I think the 
if I look at kind of Coarse Seltzer and Coarse Lights, you know, it's just reinforcing like what, why it's relevant today. You know, why if you're Coors Light, if a moment of chill is necessary in 2020, whether you want that during an election year or <laughs> or whether this crazy pandemic um, or, of course, seltzer just sticking to a new proposition that you might not have heard of when you're going out there and selecting your seltzers. Um, I think that the brand messaging has never, never been as important. Um, there's a lot of variety. There's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of choices out there. And frankly, I just don't know if consumers have as much time to think about that as they used to. Yeah. And we use, you know, we joke a lot that especially when you think of millennials and, and legal drinking age consumers, 21 and up, um, they can be quite promiscuous with their beer choices, right? You know, how many times pre-pandemic did you go to a bar and you ask a bartender what their choice is? Yeah. Oh, what's good? What's, what's a special? tap I haven't had? <laughs> you know, it's really a race for brand loyalty. And so if you're at off-premise and you're at Target, you don't have that bartender, you know, leaning you towards a new fancy IPA or something. You have to, you're relying on what it looks like in shelf, what you heard on TV, what you heard of, you know, an influential influencer tell you what to buy on Instagram. You know, things have changed a little. And so if your brand message is tight and it's clear and it's in the right place, I mean, just those easy things. Yeah. If you can get that all together, <laughs> sure, nail all that. it can be really powerful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Kirby here at Brands Unbridled, we like to wrap up all of our conversations, um, with one common question. Um, this one's for all the real housewives franchise fans out there. Ooh. Okay. Um, we learned from Miss Lisa Vanderpump herself back in season three of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills that life isn't all diamonds and rosé but it should be. <laughs> so what would be your personal tagline? I'm sad you didn't do that in a British accent, actually. <laughs> I really, I really, I really messed that one up. I have thought about this before. Um, so I think mine would have to be champagne taste on a Miller Lite budget. Wow. <laughs> I'm blown away. That was the best. That. Are you in PR? Do you work in PR? Just sometimes. I'm <laughs> so moonlight. Good. So good. Well, Kirby, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Thanks um, for having me. Such a great conversation. Such a such a perfect person to join us for our very first I'm Brands Unbridled episode. Um, and we hope to have you back someday. Thank you. Thanks so much. Cheers. Bye, guys. Oh, yeah. Cheers. 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 <laughs> Brands Unbridled is a production of StoryHorse, a Chicago-based branding house with the strategic know-how and creative muscle to build brands that not only make an impact, they last. You can visit our website at storyhorsebranding.com to learn more. Interested in telling your story? Reach out at hello at storyhorsebranding.com.